You're listening to the Autism Weekly Podcast. Each week, we share community voices and bring light to stories that increase awareness, acceptance, equity, access, and inclusion across the autism community. If you haven't already, subscribe to join the Autism Weekly family. I'm your host, Jeff Skibitsky, and I'm excited to welcome Mishka Seabear. Mishka is coming to talk to us about her journey as an autism sibling and advocate. She runs a business with her brother, Samko, called Happy Autism. We're so excited to learn from her. Mishka, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me on your beautiful podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're excited to have you as well. And one of the things that I love to be able to do is get to know our guests and to know their journey through autism. And and this journey for you is heavily involved with your brother. So tell me, what was it like growing up with a sibling who identifies autistic? Um, That's a good question. I was just writing, I'm actually writing a book about this journey. (laughs) And I was writing about this uh, part, story, few days ago because I was thinking I was I get asked this question a lot and I was thinking like hey like wait I realized what was happening in my life and my mind my soul my heart when uh was experienced when my Samko was diagnosed he was diagnosed when he was two and a half years old I was around 12 so I was a teenager um you know going through my own teenage stuff and um yeah and and the thing is like i didn't really know what autism is to be honest um now we are on on the autism journey for 20 years but back then we didn't have information we didn't have resources right and we in slovakia that that's where we originally from there's not much still but you know we, we didn't have schools uh kindergarten anything like that the only main thing we really realized was that Samko wasn't speaking for his age. He was already supposed to be, you know, pretty verbal. He was two and a half. People were telling us, oh, yeah, well, he will start talking later. Maybe that's, you know, not a big deal. But then my parents went to a psychiatrist uh, for children and she diagnosed him with autism. And I still... I just I didn't see difference to be honest like for me it was my brother is my brother <laughs> so and this is why I always say like for us siblings we see a sibling because we there are perception from my childhood is really affected from the childhood right and we as children or teenagers we see the sibling we don't know much about disability we don't know much about autism but what we'll see is how the how this uh, diagnosis changes the perception from other people, for example, from parents. Suddenly, there's a change in behavior from parents towards us siblings, towards the autistic child, towards our dynamic. And, and what's even more, that's like very influential, but what's even more influential is the reaction of other people, the ableism that's happening. I didn't even know what ableism is as a world until like a year ago, which I learned from autistic self-advocates who I follow and learn from. Uh, a lot and they'll have friends that are amazingly autistic individuals and I was just like I felt injustice right I felt negative experiences calling my brother a psychopath calling my brother stupid because he was doing things that were natural for him because he wanted to connect with children for nonverbal communication gesture touch which is 70% of our communication but 
people are not so used to, right? So suddenly someone comes and just like wants to touch you and wants to connect with you. He wanted to connect with children at a playground. And and the, the parents were really cruel. Uh, people were stopping us at saying some kind of behaving, misbehaving that he's naughty and all those kind of things. And my parents have really hard time. So for me, it was very painful um, because I was bullied as a kid, right? And I was different. I was weirdo myself. If you can, I, I, I say it openly and I'm weird, okay? <laughs> so when someone comes and just because my brother is different, why should he be treated so like horribly? He doesn't deserve that. And I saw how amazing he is. I saw him for who he is. His purity, his beautiful soul, him, who he is as, as, as a person. Yeah. And suddenly those labels started making, you know, putting him in a box that I never thought that he should be put in. Suddenly creating separation. So what started happening in my mind and my soul is I was very angry. Because I knew what it feels like to be bullied. I knew what it feels to feel the shame. I knew what it, how painful that is. So I started fighting back. And I, when I learned how to fight for myself, right, at, at the school, I was actually changing school. And I changed the class. I was going from this class where I was bullied at the same time when my brother was diagnosed to a different class, to a better class where I started having friends. So I had big change in my life. A two huge, enormous, big ones. Mm -hmm. So I started recognizing what it means to be an advocate. And the advocate was born within me at the time. Yeah. Without even knowing what happened. <laughs> it was now you you expressed that. And and it's I think that I hear this story a lot from siblings where you're you're age 12 at this point. You're trying to figure out who you are. And and you're at a point where now the family is and and rightfully so is that they're they're concerned about differences and, and concerned about you know how to be able to help prepare the community or your brother for being able to do everything he wants to do in his life, but the sibling oftentimes gets forgotten about during that time and and almost kind of misses out on their own identity. You became more of an advocate during the process, which is admirable, but how do you, how do you kind of find that balance of, you know, I want to be, I want to be me. I want to be Mishka. I want to learn who I am. I know I have the things I'm working through, but I still want to support my brother. I still want to be a part of everything the family's doing. Where's that balance come? Oh, that balance is, was so hard to find and so many siblings exactly as you described were you have you heard of term glass children mm -hmm. yeah right so the glass children with you see for us we are often neglected and deal with emotional neglect trauma and other 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 stuff um but i spoke to many adult siblings and i keep talking to them and when i see it's like yeah like our identities you know is created around being a sibling like we become something and 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 suddenly it's like who am i as a person so i i had this many questions and i and i struggled with this balance and also what i realized for example i went when i was 19 years old i went to study to london at university or westminster and i went to pursue my own dreams which was very hard at the same time 
I knew that I have to do it. It was my parents were divorced, so it was just my mom, my and me, and I and my brother. My brother started a new school, thank God, because he got more support. And my uh, and I I could actually go to new school. He could go to new school. I could go to different countries. So I was lucky. I'm grateful for that because I could be my own person and start realizing who am I. Uh, many people didn't know my brother is autistic. That was same for my teenage years at high school, because I I was trying to protect uh, myself and him from the judgment, from the cruelty that I experienced. But also, I realized it was part of it. It was escapism, um, an escapism into a different world, like trying to figure out who am I. But that was escapism instead of being an unhealthy trauma response. That like, hey, well, I'm just gonna completely like kind of like abundant part of me that was there and I need to combine those parts within me and create a bridge mm-hmm. how I'm gonna do this it's like living a double life many parents uh, siblings come to me and they're like hey I feel like so guilty for even wanting to study yeah. I feel so guilty for doing wanted to be my own person I feel so guilty for even having a boyfriend and not being with my parents all the time, even though I'm in 20s. And I told them, yeah, because you think, especially was interested with girls, we've kind of like, I don't know, I'm trying to find whether there's a study around this right now, that we kind of like became a matters, like parents, like parentification is happening. We become like at the, at the age of nine, 10, right? And I realized that, I it was it feels like we're abandoning our own child when we go and we do our own thing. So how do we get out of this double life that we feel guilty about all the time, <laughs> whether we want to live our own life or whether we are a sibling? It's just like it's just like a torn between two worlds. Yeah. So how, so what do we do with this? And I first thing that was big healing for me was. Uh, when I actually faced near-death experience because I was sacrificing myself, never asking for help, putting my needs like non-existent and all those things. So I realized that was a big aha moment for me. I was like, hey, I need to start discovering why I'm behaving this way. So for me, it's going deep into psychology, going deep into realizing why is this happening and doing research, talking to siblings and bringing awareness to the, the, the why those things are happening right to the core and that really realized me oh I'm not alone I'm not crazy I'm not broken like okay as we were crying like we were literally on a call with with another siblings and we were crying because we felt like finally someone understands us someone so we are not crazy so this is normal to feel this way my parents didn't know about these things and many nobody knew about these things I was like why am I the only one that um, wants to get a therapy like <laughs> why am I the only one that starts questioning these things well, so that sense of responsibility that you were that you were talking about and putting that on a 9 10 or I mean at your age 12 at that point yes. is that's a tough burden to take. And and you do, you take on, like you said, almost that parental responsibility is that you have to take care of your sibling. And I think we all have that with our family, but it's a little bit different when, when it's trying to protect and you shouldn't have to protect your brother. Like, I mean, but the world wasn't ready to be able to kind of create the same opportunities and the same embracing 
that they give to neurotypical children at that time. And I think that is hard because the guilt is there. And the connection that you're making now on being able to take your personal experience, your knowledge set, and tie that back into that love of your family and the love of your brother, I think is invaluable. So how did that pivot happen? How did you go from this environment of, you know, I'm, I'm guilty, uh, I feel like, can I get away to school? Is my brother gonna be okay? To getting that education, turning it into such a valuable experience and now running a business with your brother, not for your brother, with your brother. How did that happen? I love what you said about the wording, with my brother and not for my brother, because in the beginnings, it was for my brother. <laughs> It was beginnings. It was my our Instagram handle was Sam Cosibert, and it was about his art. And I was again, yes, let's support my brother because he has no possibility for employment. So there was again like, yeah, let's do something meaningful. I was burning out, right? I just had this idea. I was actually going through depression, anxiety, panic attacks, so many things. Like it was hitting me hard. I was I was working two jobs in London when this was idea came in it was 2016 so I was like yeah let's do something good something valuable for my brother and then I and then I tell you what funny thing happened that yes so Ben Affleck um, received our t-shirt because a month after I got this idea like I didn't have business I just had an idea I wanted to do something good and my friend, I told my friend because I worked in media and I studied television production. So I had connections in the media and I wanted to study and be in the media because I wanted to use it for good. I wanted to spread empowerment messages to help people. So I'm just like, yeah, I tell my friend, hey, I've got this idea. I'm doing t-shirts and it's art because I want to show the world what amazing things people with, uh, that are autistic can do and that are able to shoot. You know, I want to show them, hey, you don't have to judge them. You can see them, how awesome they are. And my friend was like, that's cool. Two weeks later or so, he messages me, hey, I need free t-shirts. I need, um, and I'm like, okay, can I ask for who? Because we were just had like samples. We did, wasn't, weren't selling them yet. He's like, yeah, from Ben Affleck. And I can drink them for myself because I'm going to do interview with Ben Affleck, who's playing autistic character in the movie Accountant. And I want to give him gift during the interview so he can some, have something from someone's life that is touch, the story is touching lives of real people i want to give him something real what a better way to give him a gift from someone that's autistic i'm like i was like freaking out okay got them t-shirts happened and the awareness was raised because it that's a story touching millions of people in our country that was my vibe but i was like i don't know what to do next i had no idea and i was burning out at the time because of those unhealthy sacrificial mindsets which i call sacrifice uh, mindset and i was in this cycle never in this cycle never asking for help so I was like how am i doing i'm going to do this alone trying to build a business and have two jobs so i realized that wow this is a missed opportunity i felt so guilty again guilty for not doing enough for my brother for his future and 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 then milking this amazing opportunity that happened with Ben Affleck, I crashed at the time, literally at the time. So now imagine this happens, dream come true, but it's like the best thing happens and the worst thing happens at the same time. I'm like, holy crazy Molly, what I'm gonna do? So 
in 2017, when Brexit happened, I went home and I had, I suppose, home with my family. And I needed this time to be home to start taking care of myself. And when this thing happened with my near-death experience in 2019, so it was like three years of like trying to figure out who am I, <laughs> right? Why these things are happening? That's crazy. Like, I don't understand. So I started going deeper, deeper, deeper. And I realized in 2020, I told my mom, people are asking me about t-shirts, but I, f- I, I, don't, I don't know how to do this again. I will, I will fail again. I don't know how to do this. And, she, and so I asked for help. I would got friend, uh, help with social media. But, but I think she said, Mishka, this is different. You've learned. Now you will want to do this alone. You are a different person. And I'm going to support you. And you're going to do this. You'll be fine. It's not the same story. You're going to do this differently because you've grown and so in 2020, I was like, okay, fine, no expectations. We're going to start it. We launched it when the pandemic started because we wanted to bring joy, hope, inspiration. So we brought the story Ben Affleck and we're like, hey, this happened. Cool stuff, right? I hope it's going to inspire you. I hope it's going to bring you joy and hope in these times when not only you've got so much unknown with autism, but also there is pandemic happening, more unknown, more stress let's just bring you some sunshine and joy because that's what we want to do. So we did it together. We started doing things together. I started sharing my perspective naturally because I felt I just needed, I just felt like I'm not showing people the true, like who we are, our story. I felt like I'm just showing one part without showing the other, which is the sibling. So it happened organically, really naturally. And when I said, and I was so scared, I'm going to burn out. I had anxiety to connect it to burnout so much because I burned out so much that I did not want to stop do it again. I saw that if I start doing this business, it might scale quickly. My things like when I hope it can happen, or where I'm going to do that. I'm going to miss the chance. <laughs> so what I did is that I sat down and my mom told me, you don't do this just for a brother. Like, you don't ask for help. Don't repeat the same mistakes. I said, yes, you're right. Do you know what? I'm going to turn my brother into creative director. I'm going to give him a role. He's 18. He should bring money to this table. He should have responsibilities. Why I'm always doing everything for him. He's not. He's able. He's able to do things. He's got a voice. I told Sanka, do you know what? You're 18. You're an adult now. Things are changing here. Right, you're helping with house house chores and our house, great. But what about your purpose as a man? What about bringing money to table as men? You've got two women that are taking care of you. What are you gonna do? And he's like, and he was excited. <laughs> he felt like, yes, he can pay back. <laughs> he feels that he can support me. I allow him to support me. I said, enough of being your caregiver. I'm gonna be your equal partner. So your voice is going to be heard. Yes, you're not verbal or not speaking. Call. I know there are different labels, but fine. You're communicating. I hear you. I know how to communicate with you. Okay, so you're going to communicate. You're going to be empowered. You're going to rise in your abilities and have an advocate for yourself because you're autistic and you are an advocate too. And I will have my needs met too. I will be I seen as equal. Story. I, I, that is, I mean, that journey from 
acceptance. And it's not just, it's not acceptance in the terms of I'm accepting my brother. It's the acceptance of this is me. This is my life. This is my brother, Samka. This is his life. And we both have a chance to have purpose. We both have a chance to be empowered. And you challenged that, that, that philosophy that maybe was culturally embedded and said, let's get there. Let's do it together, but let's get there. Let's find our skill sets and move that direction. To be, that's just such a powerful story as you look through it. And that acceptance journey, I think, probably is what now gives your voice so much more power, is that you went from doing clothing and, and taking his creative idea and putting it out there, but now you have a voice to talk to other siblings and to share that experience and to empower them. So how does this, I guess on two questions, one is what is that message that you're giving to siblings? The other one is, is what is the feedback that you're getting? Because it's gonna be a different journey for so many different people. Yes, that's a good question. Um, I started something in November 2019, 2020, I don't remember the year, I think 2020. Uh, yeah, 2020, because that's when we started our business. So in November, I was going through my own stuff. And when I was talking to other siblings, I felt like I need to share stuff because people were calling us sibling goals. Like people are seeing us together and like, your sibling goals. And I'm like, don't put us on pedestal. We're not perfect. You don't know the whole story. You don't know that we did struggle in our relationship. It took me years of healing and work. So I said, I felt like I'm not being honest. So I started sharing very hard stuff because we siblings, oh God, we hide a lot behind a smile, a lot behind, because we don't want to lose the love of our parents that is already limited, as I said. I say quote, only limited. From parents' side, you might not see like this, but that's how we see it because we are, hey, it's not just about attention. It's about when I was a caregiver, I wasn't a child anymore, right? Because the, the thing is that making myself into like, oh, I, this is what I talk about and I call it autism pass. It's not my words, it's siblings' words. I'll hear them, I listen to them and I communicate with them. So they talk about this like autism pass and it's like teaching about this more and autism pass is basically excusing the behavior that doesn't have to always be autistic or just like saying things like, oh, he's got autism. That's not his fault. Or he's, he's got, aut and I mean, no, he doesn't have autism. Sorry, I'm trying to <laughs> say not has autism, but is autistic. Okay. I'm learning from my favorite autistic, um, uh, you know, advocates. They are teaching me about how to use correct language. So they're supported. Yes. So I'm correcting myself. Uh, yes. So, you know, he's autistic. You know, he can't do this. He can't do that. And talking about disability all the time. I was like, oh, he can't. He can't. He's not able to. And I'm like, who said that? Is it true? I've, I'm kind of person is like, if you tell me I can't, I'm going to show you I can. So I was like, let's challenge this. So I challenged this narrative with ability mindset. That's how I call it. Let's focus on what he can do. And let's um, mime this gold. And what it happened is not only, as I said, you know, that's how I remember my audience creative director. That's how he grew in his independence, his abilities, his confidence. But also it helped me feel less burdened 
and bring equality into our relationship and balance, which is the world. Equality and balance is the key, because if it's not, there is a resentment happening from both sides. He feels like a victim. I feel like I'm sacrificing myself. I'm burning out. It's not happy. It's not good for both sides, right? Equality and balance is the key. So uh, what siblings saw, they started seeing, okay, someone understands me. It doesn't have to be this way. I can do better. Oh, I don't have to sacrifice myself. Like, you. even some siblings told me that, hey, like, this is the first time I actually feel like I'm not crazy or broken. And, and uh, this just feels like, because even I went to therapies and therapies told me like, oh, you shouldn't have any problems. You're young, you're intelligent, you're beautiful, you study in university. What problems can you have in your 20s? So even that started happening. So gaslighting and emotional neglect was still happening in adult life. So I'm like, hey, what the earth is happening? How can someone that has Zygroom psychology say that to a child and, or an adult that is sh- clearly sharing that I have a problem, help me. And I experienced this myself too. So I was like, okay, I'm going to share things that someone else says. I'm going to give you a different perspective. And parents came to me and said, whoa, okay, um, this is this is like, I suddenly understand that I wasn't supporting my daughter. I was our, our, our son. I suddenly realized that I was the one that was help, helping them have separation. I was the one because I was burdening this neurotypical sibling. Suddenly, when... I show them different perspectives. I teach them about this. I give them tools to navigate this. They're like, they say that their children have more loving relationship, that their sibling, the siblings, the neurotypical feel more supported, and there's more connection, more laughter, more joy. And this is the happy autism, right? That's why I call it happy autism. It's for the families. It's for the mothers to know what to do. It's for siblings to feel heard. It's for autistic to feel equally empowered. It's for each one, each member to feel happy and equal. So a, siblings, I, that that goal that you're describing, I think that it it takes what you're doing and and what you're putting out there, that individual experience, that perspective, the understanding that everybody is experiencing the same events differently, yet we should have a voice through that process. I think that is so important. And whether it's a family member seeking support, whether it's a sibling who maybe said, you know. I, I need to get my own therapeutic experience out of this. Trust me, validate my feelings through this and just listen, be a part of it. Or for the sibling where it's, or the, the autistic in this case, it's how can we help them to be able to do everything that they wanna do in their life without having the barriers that we might be imposing on them by not challenging them, by not giving them opportunity. It's, it is this kind of living, breathing, kind of beast as far as, you know, these relationships all go together. And I like the way that you look at it as the happy autism. It's even when you think about treatment from from a clinician perspective, it's not about fixing anything. It's about understanding, empowering, and building skills so that somebody can be able to do everything they want to do with their life. It sounds like you're finding a way to do that for siblings, which I, I, I hear your story and it's powerful. And I think that this message needs to be shared more broadly because more people are going through the same pain that you probably experienced on and off. 
throughout your life of just trying to find the right place and the right things to do. So how do caregivers help siblings to feel validated? How do they help them to feel as important as their autistic child in that same process? Um, yes, in many ways, but one thing is needs. I talk about um, understanding, say, first of all, uh, many siblings, I spoke to siblings like, and I asked them, what do you wish your parents did differently? Every, probably every sibling um, said about emotions, emotional support, um, and not shaming the negative feelings because siblings go through many, many complicated, complex emotions, feelings. And if parents are not emotionally capable or responsible or available in in their own parenting role for themselves, um, how can they support their children? So that emotional intelligence and responsibility is so important because when you actually can be doubt shaming or neglecting or blaming each other or anything like that, understanding that emotions are spectrum, like, right? <laughs> so welcoming them, had helping their children with emotional regulation. That's just one thing. First thing. Second thing, not putting, not making sibling into savior that, hey, when mothers struggle asking for help, what they do, they, I called it, they sacrifice their own children <laughs> who are neurotypical because they think they're more capable. It's like, hey, save me, please. You're, you seem more capable because you're neurotypical. So I'm going to like freeze if they hold onto like a stick when they're drowning, they're holding onto their sibling, onto the neurotypical sibling. Hey, please save me. And sometimes they're not many times they're not aware that I do this. And you no, know, and I say that I challenge this mindset. I say, does neurotypical sibling doesn't mean that you're neurotypical that they're more capable. Doesn't mean that we have our things we're going through. We are children too. Please let us be children and communicate with us about our needs. Sometimes those needs clash. That happened in our family too. For example, my mom needed support. I need, uh, with, she needed support from me, let's say, or needed to be heard, like needed someone to talk to. And I came and I said, I need space. I need to be alone because I'm very empathic. I'm very sensitive. And there's a lot happening. I need to process my own feelings. And and that, then conflicts could arise because when two parties and two people are trying to get their needs met and her be hurt, but they're clashing and they're struggle communicating those needs, that's when conflict happens. And on this journey, it's like, yeah, nobody taught me how to communicate my needs or discover them. And siblings have problem with that. And um, that's why I have something called um, communication needs guide that it's we have it for free and it's also part of our course, but I give this for free as a as a tool that parents and siblings can go and and understand how to communicate. Because when you know how to communicate, you can solve the problems. And conflict happens for a reason. These things happen for reasons. And I always look for the why and the lesson that we can learn from this and the solution to the problem. So having something to guide us is very important, something that we can hold on to. To bring the clarity. That's so true. I mean, it, and we all have 
whether you're neurotypical or you're autistic, is that we all have challenges. We all have areas we're trying to strengthen. We all have life experiences that have changed us throughout that process. And we all have constant things that we're going to have to navigate in the future. And without understanding and perspective and communication, it becomes nearly important and, and even more difficult to be able to get through. So how do people access, because you said the way that you're articulating this, it, it really gives a, a view that not everybody can share because it's an experience that's unique to siblings of autistics and, and just people who are trying to find their own voice in the world. It's that consultation, that ability to be able to create a community, how do they access that through you, Mishka? Is there, do you provide that sort of service? Yes. So uh, we'll be launching right now, opening, we're actually going to have a private uh, Facebook group. Um, I called it Happy Autism Family Club, which is for free. It's for, it's private. It's a safe space for families, for autistic individuals and for uh, siblings to come together as unity because there's a lot of separation. There's a lot of war in the online community uh, between each party. And I'm like a peacemaker. I love uniting people. I'm like, let's listen to each other. Um, and so that's one thing that we have. And then we also have um, our course. It's called Happy Autism Sibling Guide. And it's an online self-paced course, which is affordable, which is for moms and siblings, adult siblings to watch, or moms of autistic and neurotypical children to navigate this journey. We also have professionals that are interested in this to purchasing because they're like, hey, can I get access to this? I want to support the families and I want to learn from sibling perspective. I'm like, yes. I was like, of course. So we have that also. Um, um and yeah, we, we've got this access on our uh, on our uh, website, happyautism.co. Um, but yeah, that's what we're doing. We're gonna we've actually uh, created a foundation uh, in a register in Slovakia because we want to do bigger things. We want to bring more resources and more and more and more resources, uh, which is registered. It's called Happy Autism. So we're doing many things. We're trying to go bigger and and bring those uh, re educational you know resources to families but also I mean as an advocate I do workshops for companies to support autistic individuals and neurodivergent thinkers to unlock more their abilities and support them through creating an empowering environment and I also uh, my goal is also to go to workshops for special needs education uh, schools um, to support them in this too because, you know, I believe in autism success. It's possible. We were just featured in Forbes. Come on, it's possible. <laughs> so let's do this together. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I hope that we can help to amplify that voice for you, Mishka. And, and you, you mentioned the various audiences that can benefit from this, and it, and it is. It's being able to connect directly with autistic advocates. It's, it's directly to the siblings. And you mentioned to clinicians to be able to kind of guide to their families. I would argue to say that clinicians should be listening to this in their own professional development to really understand all these experiences themselves. So they should be joining not to help others, but to help themselves too. I think that your voice will be powerful through this process. And I know you're joining our podcast today, but you, you do host your own podcast. Is that not right? 
Yes, it's called Happy Autism Podcast. You can find it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, also on our website. So we've got this and I uh, want to interview. I've got, I've got some interviews in my mind that with some awesome people from the community. So yes, I'm excited about our next journey with this. But I'm sharing well, a lot from my journey as well as a sibling. We, and we appreciate that, and and I hope that uh, that I can I can kind of pick up on some of those guests that you're hearing because obviously your voice and your message is so important. So I'll definitely be a listener as well, and I appreciate you taking the time to be able to come come and share your message with us and to empower so many people by being so open about your own story and creating this wonderful business around it. And Samko as well is that his creative directing has, I saw the sweatshirts, I saw the art, it's beautiful. And I think what you guys are doing together is something that we all benefit from. So thank you so much, Mishka. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your kind of words. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS Kids. ABS Kids is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS Kids and the Autism Weekly podcast by visiting abskids.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week.